Do you know what time it is? It's that time again with Cindy Gern, who has the latest news about employment trends, current opportunities, and innovative strategies for managing a career on WERA 96.7 FM in Arlington, Virginia. Uh, this is Cindy Gern of The Workforce Show, uh, and I am the executive producer of The Workforce Show, who also hosts a show not about STEM, although our program is heavily oriented towards STEM with a different host, but because I don't know STEM, <laughs> I I was given the A in STEAM, the STEM, to interview who I want and how I want to, so uh, so I that is what I'm doing here, and uh, we have... Uh, Programs off and on uh, you know, with people that are really have done some exceptional things in their lives, and and today we have such a person. Uh, I'll tell you about her in a second. But if you have any ideas uh, about the program, uh, you, by all means, uh, send us a, an email at info at workforce show, and we'll take them uh, into consideration as usual. Uh, and this, we sent out a, uh, a newsletter with our shows on, so and you can listen to all of our shows on SoundCloud uh, as well. So today, I am so pleased to introduce to you a woman who uh, absolutely surprises me, shocks me, uh, impresses me. Uh, I met her at the Wilson Center. Uh, she was uh, introducing and a moderator of a program called the uh, uh, A New Leash on Life, the K-9 for Warrior Story. And uh, so, Karen Hardy, welcome. Thank you. Uh, Karen Hardy is very, very unusual. She has a doctorate. Uh, she's a risk management expert, uh, an author, and a film producer, and most of all, she's just won an Emmy. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Very exciting. You have to tell us what it's like to win an Emmy. I feel like I'm floating. <laughs> so, <laughs> that was great. Well, where do they give you the Emmy? I mean, how does it, what's the award? Well, you know, it's, it's funny. You see this big show on TV, yeah. and, then you, and then when it really happens, you start to find out how it works behind the scenes. Yeah. So, you know, they give out Emmys. Well, let's put it that they, they have award shows, Emmy award shows all year long. They have, you know, they have chapters of Emmy award oh, chapters. Yeah. yeah. And they're giving out uh, uh, awards for great work that's done year long. So they have several chapters. So this particular chapter actually awarded out. Mm -hmm. It's called the Suncoast chapter. Sh shout out to them. Uh, so the film came out of the Suncoast chapter, which included Florida, Puerto Rico, and, and certain sectors of states. So each year, each chapter has, at a certain point in time during a year, the award show. So, for instance, in Washington, D.C., there's a um, uh, National Capital Area chapter of the National uh, Association of Television Arts and Sciences. Mm -hmm. There's one in Mid-Atlantic. So... The awards are always being okay. given out year-round. Okay, and you won it for the Sun Coast chapter? Yeah, through the Sun Coast chapter. Very good, very good. It, it, this movie was uh, so impressive uh, and so uh, 
so enlightening for me. I mean, as much as I know, I know a lot about the warriors and and PTSD and everything. But it's the way the story was told really captivated me. So, so Karen Hardy, why don't you start off by telling us about the movie? Well, the movie, uh, which I'm so excited to the fact that you were actually there to watch it, is one thing I could tell you about it, but you never saw it, but you were actually there. And uh, you can speak to, as you did, about how you were impressed by it and the way the story was told. And I think that's the biggest thing about this particular film is that it's the, it's the way the story was told. It wasn't a political angle. It wasn't about politics. It was about three individuals who happened to be veterans, and these veterans are trying to, you know, reacclimate themselves back into society after a war. Um, how do they do that? And there are a lot of veterans out there having difficulty doing this. So it was very brave of the veterans to first go on screen to, to you know, to expose themselves in, this, in their lives to everyone on film about the struggles that they're having with PTSD and making that adjustment. Um, this film is about Canines for Warriors, which is one of the largest nonprofits in the, the nation that actually uh, matches up um, rescue canines with the veterans. And they stay on campus in Florida and uh, where they're trained to uh, understand and connect with the canines. And they get to pretty much know one another. And once they graduate, they go back into society, go, go to the grocery store, go to Walmart, go to Home Depot, do the things that everyday people do without having uh, triggers about, you know, PTSD and war. So this story, as complicated as that sound, the film does an excellent job of making you and I relate to these veterans. We're not veterans. So it's a story for everybody. It's a story about humanity and readjusting and winning. And I think that's what that's why I got the Emmy Award, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. Oh, well, that's probably one of the reasons. <laughs> I, I believe so. Uh, but, you know, uh, oftentimes we see uh, the warrior who's, who's lost a limb in war having the, the canine assistance. That's, mm-hmm. that's common. Um, my uncle lost a leg in the Second World War, mm. and he didn't have – there weren't canines then, so he, he was on his own. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then – but, but this story was different because these people have PTSD. It's not something that you can necessarily see right away. Right. It's considered an invisible, uh, invisible disability. Yeah. Right. That's what's usually referred to. So in that sense, we you could be walking or working with someone with PTSD and not know it. So it's not something that's obvious. And I think the film does a good job of helping you be uh, sensitive to that particular fact is that it's not something that's obvious but um so it's something to be sensitive about. there were three three characters that you you portrayed and they were, were, were portrayed each of them had a different story yes so how can you how can you actually tell the difference between who has PTSD and who doesn't and how do you get inside the head of somebody who has it and, and tell a story of, of what they're doing. You know, it's, it sounds, the answer would be something phenomenal, but it's really something simple. It's really just about talking to people. 
because I've had conversation with the Warriors as part of making a film to get to know them better. Mm-hmm. And to be quite honest with you, it's like having an everyday conversation with them in terms of their lives, their dreams, their aspirations. And then um, through that conversation, you start to understand how war had impacted them. But it's not something you assume and know. It's something that you discover when you discover them as individuals. And I think uh, through the film, they do a good job of characterizing them individually. What the, someone going to school, one is, you know, works for EMS. Um, so, I mean, it's a fantastic story that anyone can relate to. Did, does everybody who, who goes down to Florida and matched with a, a canine, do they succeed? Does everybody come back with well, a canine? With this particular organ, they're very successful. They're very, very successful. It's one of the most successful programs. So um, folks can go to canineforwarriors.org, actually, Canines for Warriors, and all the information they need to know about the organization, they can uh, just read it and then actually contact them directly. They're very open and and friendly and very um, willing to educate folks on, you know, some of the questions that you have in the program that they offer. I remember when uh, when I was working with a PTSD mm-hmm. uh, person, uh, you can tell until something happened, and she got very, very stressed out. And, yes. and so, I mean, she ended up leaving her job. She was that stressed out. And, right. uh, and I wondered, how can... How can uh, how can they help her, and how can a, a dog help her? How does a dog relate in that? Well, um, you know, PTSD in this particular sense is about triggers, mm-hmm. and the canines are trained to help uh, mitigate those triggers for those for those veterans. I mean, some of them have night sweats or uh, nightmares, and you have the canines there to actually warn them of you know anything that may be of harm to them or um, just to comfort them emotionally, mm-hmm. and it calms them so that they can function. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one of the biggest things. That so they if, if they hear a sound or if they see something that triggers something, the, the dog responds and, and stops Right. It. Well, they talk about, you know, now I'm not a military folk, but they do talk about, you know, that security blanket that you have in the military mm-hmm. um, where you're, you know, you, you're part of this um, this team of folks and they're, they are there to protect you, mm-hmm. right? They, you, they're part of your unit. And when you come back from war, you don't have that camaraderie as you had mm-hmm. before. Those folks that surrounded you, protected you, aren't there. The canine is used to supplement that mentally and physically so that, you know, when they're driving, they, they sense um, that the canine is there to comfort them versus um, in war, um, they had their their colleagues, the other service person there to either be on the side of them or behind them, in front of them. So that that mental picture is carried over when the K nine is matched up with the veteran. No, I I so I was watching television a couple a few years ago, and Oprah Winfrey had a surprise. He had the the wives there. They were talking about their husbands and. You know, this was all wives and husbands, mm-hmm. and they were talking about the men who were in in battle. And I said, "I have a surprise for you." Uh, and uh, they, you know, the, as you opened the screen, and all the men came out, right? And they were all, you know, happy to see each other, right? And then they said, "We have another surprise for you. We have 
No, I forget his name. He he was left. He was in uh, when he was wounded, and mm-hmm. he was in a hospital. And they pulled the screen, and there he was. Wow. And it was like all the wives <laughs> go away. Is they were bonded. It was mass movement over to surround right. him and be his buddy, and they were so happy yeah. to see him. And I think that's. I never thought of it that way, but that is uh, what you said. It's a, it's a comfort comfort zone. It's a, a Absolutely. It's a support well. system. And, you know, after you watch the film, I think a lot of people start to realize somewhere in their life they, they may have known a warrior or, or a veteran who had PTSD but did not know what it was. Yeah. And this is why this film is, is so excellent. It's a great educator great mitigation because of the suicide rate for veterans with PTSD is, is so high. And this program has helped to mitigate and reduce that risk. So that's something to be celebrated yeah, by everyone. Yeah, it is. And every year I go to this event that uh, features the uh, uh, servicemen who are at Walter Reed right. getting treated and they have and they can select clothes, et cetera. And I can't help but sense that some of them are PTSD. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, so everybody, you have to see the movie, and it is it was very worthwhile uh, to see it and to learn something about PTSD. And it's going to be on PBS. Absolutely, yes. Year. That's the very exciting part is that, well, you can actually go on Amazon Prime now if you're a member and uh, watch it now. Uh, okay. But if that's not possible, uh, this year we had several PBS stations pick it up. And one of them is, I believe, WHUT, Howard University, yeah. and MPT. Um, those two, I do know, have picked it up. So um, watch your schedules sometime this year for that to be shown. Now from a producer, an Emmy Award-winning producer, to a, an award-winning author, yeah, I seem to have a theme. <laughs> you have a theme. I like a, that particular theme. Okay. So, and, and your award-winning author, uh, she wrote a book uh, with Jack Canfield. I know of chicken, uh, chicken, chicken soup. soup for the soul. Yes. So for the Everyone soul. knows Jack Canfield for the chicken soup for the soul. So, uh, how did you meet him? How did you? You know, it, this is how it happened. Actually, you know, it's funny because I've spent my my. Um, my career in risk management. And what happens is that once you once you dedicate yourself to your craft and you became become the top in your field, you know, whatever field that is, you peak and people notice. So I actually wrote a textbook on risk management, which won uh, the most promising new textbook award. So when you have these series of um, accomplishments in your field of profession, other people take notice from other fields. I think that's just the way nature works for the most part. And um, some of uh, those colleagues took notice, and then they offer you things. Like, oh, you wrote that book. It was a bestseller, and it, it sold, uh, uh, you know, a lot of books. And so we want to work with you. So that's the way it works. Success breeds success. So Jack Hanfield contacted you, and he said, I want to write a book with you? Uh, well, it was his camp. Um, which means, I mean, I was flattered, first of all. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I know. I really couldn't believe it. So, and because it's Jack Canfield. <laughs> you know, it's chicken soup for the soul. You know, everybody grows up in that. So having the opportunity to call off this particular book about mastering the art of success came about that way. So I had the chance, and the same reason why I'm here with you, to tell a story. 
about success and what it means to me and how do you get there and what it means and, you know, um, and how do you make it work, not just for you, but to, to work for other people. I want, uh, I want her, I want Karen to uh, tell us some points that she's written about in the book, but before she does that, uh, we want to talk a little bit about her background. Uh, she started her career in retail banking. Yeah, I've been around. So <laughs> and it's a media, uh, media and communications major. Well, yeah, yeah. And uh, she's one of eight children. Where are you in? in I'm in the bottom three. Sounds like American. Sounds like American Idol. <laughs> but yeah, I'm in the bottom three. Okay. <laughs> you have a baby sister. Okay, and her neither her father or her mother uh, had graduated from high school. Uh, but she has eight children, eight, eight, eight siblings, eight children, uh, and most of them went to college. Yeah, yeah. And the so, likelihood of any of that, right? Yeah, so you had to be born with uh, some sort of a drive, didn't I, you? I think so. I'm, you know, looking back now, I'm thinking, what in the world? <laughs> What's going on in our family? But it's actually great things, um, and it is one reason why I, um, I. Uh, titled the, the the chapter in this book creating change in unlikely places because everything you're speaking about now you would never think that come on this came out of you know your mom was a cook your dad was a, dr- a truck driver and a packer they did not have a college education they we were poor um our home was probably the size of this room and maybe a, a floor up it was not big at all we shared space all my life um, used to sharing space. And um, so you, with so many siblings, you have to fend for yourself at times. Um, that's a lot of people. <laughs> that's a yeah. lot of mouths to feed, right? So you had to figure out a way to, um, you know, survive for the most part. But at the same time, stick out from the crowd, right? Um, call something your own. Um, so I had a very positive childhood. I never felt hungry or felt like we didn't uh, have anything. My mom. And by the way, she was born in D.C. and she's been a D.C. Um, resident. That's right. I'm a, native, I'm a native Washingtonian, uh, proudly. Not too many of us around. But yes, and I went to the D.C. public schools. I didn't go to a private school. Which school did you go to? I went to Blow Elementary School. Um, I went to um, Brown Junior High School. And Spingon Senior High School. Now I'm not sure if any of those schools are still there. They, <laughs> they probably I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> we redeveloped it to something. Yeah. But um, the the point of the matter is it's n- it's not how you start. It's how you finish. It's not how you start. It's how you run the race. How you, you run know, the race. I, I didn't go to a big fancy school, right? I didn't go to an Ivy League school, but I worked next to Ivy Leaguers uh, when I did a stint. Uh, you know, in a um, in the um, Office of Management and Budget, White House Office of Management and Budget. So it's, it's not how you start. It's how you run the race, and it's how you finish. And then you end up with people you never thought you would ever, you know, work with. But yeah, I think my mother, uh, what I saw is that I saw consistency. You know, she did the same thing every day for 30 or 40 years, mm-hmm. right? And it's not that we have fancy things. We never had a microwave. We never had an air conditioner, right? So, but she, uh, what she instilled in us is, you know, she'll watch out for one another and you make things work and you um, perfect whatever craft that is. And her craft was being a great 
uh, not just a cook, but a great mother and someone uh, and a great provider in terms of even though she was a cook, her kids <laughs> ended up doing great things. Yeah, that's that's impressive. Very impressive. Um, OK, so you were we said you were retail and then you were and you were and you were in the, the White House, OMB for the White House. And you are an author, and so in this book you wrote, you have it's not how is how you get there. It's it's about change. So why don't you quote us some, tell some books, some pointers? Well, there there are five principles I believe make a difference, can make a difference, and these are the ones that have made a difference for me. Um, I I believe there's some these are things that can be applied by anyone, with some coaching. But one of the principles I live by is that you have to have the courage to replace things that have good intentions. Strange, right? Yeah. But, yeah, just because things have good intentions doesn't mean that's necessarily for you, right? And it takes courage to step away from something that has good intentions. Like what? Give us an example. Well, I mean, for instance, um, for instance, when I was growing up, my mom bought me these pair of shoes. And they were colorful shoes. Now, we didn't have a lot, so we got a lot of hand-me-downs. And I got hand-me-downs. But for this particular um, school season, I got my own pair of shoes. And my mom saved a lot of money, worked hard to get these. And they were colorful shoes. They're my favorite ones. They remind me of the colors of the story of Joseph and the Bible. Yeah, he had a color right, color. color. And then I wore those shoes so much that the top of my big toe stuck out. <laughs> <laughs> I wore a hole through the top of this toe. Of the sh- Honestly, that's what happened. And, I, oh, my God, I was laughed at so much by the kids, of course, right? But my mom, bless her heart, she took, you know, uh, uh, you know thread and needle and tried to sew up the top of my We were poor. <laughs> Right. But I love those shoes. But as great as I love those shoes, it's time. I mean, there's a time you have to let, it, let go what you love to get better, even though the very thing that you had originally helped you get to where you are. You know, you can get attached to things. So that's what I mean by, you know, you have to have the courage to replace things that have good intentions. We have just a few more minutes, so can you go through some of those Real points? quick. Yeah. Um, the second one, make your presence known, find your space and occupy it. And that comes with a thought of, you know, I'm growing up with a big family. You have to, you know, come up, um, you know, find your own space that fits you and occupy it, own mm. it, right? And that's reflected in my life. Make your voice heard. I mean, I've had seven siblings, but all our voices sounded the same to my mom from a distance. So you yeah, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. everyone sounded the same. <laughs> right. She thought I was somebody else, right? But you have to establish a voice for yourself to distinguish yourself from the crowd. Mm. Um, you have to seek to position your inner and outward power. You know, what is your inner power and what is your outward power? You have to learn to embrace disruption. You know, being in a big family means things are always changing. <laughs> They're always changing. You have to learn how to grasp and embrace disruption. It's not a bad thing, but um, be willing to make changes. Those are very impressive, and you can read more of those points and more of this book by by what? Can you tell us how they can get this book? Or oh, how they absolutely. Can... If you go on my author's page on Amazon, 
What, what uh, Karen Hardy. Just bring up Karen Hardy, and you can look for my name and look at Jack Hanfield, the Mastering the Art of Success. I have uh, three other books on there that I've actually authored. Okay. Um, one about self-leadership and one about destiny, dreams, and decisions. Oh. Which is one of my favorite not, ones. Not all books are risk management then. No, they are not. <laughs> but the destiny, dreams, and decisions, I really plan on creating you know, a coaching program for women or whoever will want it. There's three, um, you know, it's a three cycles to go through, I believe. You have a destiny, you have a dream, now you have to make a decision and actually walk them through that, those three phases so that they can transform their lives. Um, now, Karen, I forgot to mention that Karen has her doctorate, and she majored in media and communications way back when, she said, in college. Yeah. Uh, but she her, her uh, degree is in leadership and human resource development. Uh, so uh, she is uh, uh, she, she's notable for everything she does and and really the, everything she does has a, a message for you to take and to learn from. I thank you, Karen, for being with us. Thank you. And uh, and if anybody wants the movie and the book, the, the movie, how do they get the movie? Well, for the movie, they can actually go on my, my website, drkarenspeaks.com. For the book, they can go on my author page on Amazon, just plug in Karen Hardy. Okay. And then they can follow me on Instagram at Karen Hardy Speaks. Karen Hardy Speaks. Well, Cindy Gern speaks and says thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to The Workforce Show. This interview and others can be found at WERA.FM or at CareerCentralOnline.com. Thank you for listening. Until the next time.